Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hi there. We are looking at the early church as a pattern for us. You know, some things need to be kept the same and some things need to be repackaged. The food that we eat, I've noticed, I've been alive for 50 odd years and I've noticed that it's the same food, but it keeps getting repackaged or represented in a different way to make it attractive. And that's fine. And we as Christians need to know what is the food, the basics, the foundations that church and Christian life is supposed to be like, but it can be repackaged for every different generation in a different way. The key and the challenge is to work out what is essential and what can be altered and made different for our culture. And so we're looking at the book of Acts to work that out because the Bible says in several places that we should imitate what was done and what was taught, that it's a pattern for us, that it's for us to learn from and an example. And so we're looking at the book of Acts. We've looked at Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. And now we're going into chapter 3 and we're looking at the fellowship and the faith. Or to put it another way, the meetings and the miracles. Or the people and the power. You know, they really are the two things that stand out to me about the early church. The way that they fellowship with one another, the way that they interacted, the love that they had with one another, and the miracles. I'm not sure why those two things stand out. I think it may be because those are the two areas where I feel we may have gone far away from the early practice. In recent decades, the church is coming back to the book of Acts in our meetings and our structures, but also in miracles and signs and wonders. But I think we still have a way to go. So just at the end of chapter two, it says, Then those who gladly received his word, that's Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly. Some other versions say they devoted themselves. They continued steadfastly or they devoted themselves. It was something that was important to them. In the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So that's a summary of their lives. Doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers. Those are the, the essentials that we can't get away with. Now, we may put them in different formats. We may use radio, TV, printed material, different ways of, of doing these things, getting teaching out, having fellowship with each other. During lockdown periods, we may use internet uh, chat features to, to have fellowship. But we need to have fellowship, teaching, breaking of bread and prayers or worshiping together. Goes on to say, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And it's going to give us an example of one of those in a minute. And we're going to look at the miracles that they did. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And this is repeated a couple of chapters later where it 
again says that they would sell their possessions and they would share with one another. This is deeply challenging. I don't know about you, but uh, this is the one thing that I think we are not doing as Christians as much as they did in those days. Now, even within the New Testament, this practice changed. So later on in the book of Acts, we see Paul going around or sending others around to take up collections for Christians who were going through famine in other parts of the world. And then later in 1 Timothy 5, Paul has sent Timothy to Ephesus and he's giving him instructions on how the offerings and the money of the church should be organized. And he says, don't give to everybody. Don't share the money out with everybody. Make sure that it's people who have no other means of support and that they are genuinely in need and that they are Christians, that they are widows, that they've supported the church. So it's quite interesting that throughout just the New Testament, the way that money was shared around changed quite a bit. But the one thing that I am convinced about is that people did not put money first. They were willing to give. I've read some letters and some historical accounts of the early church from the time of the apostles all the way up to 200 and 300 AD. There are so many letters and historical documents that we can read. It's, it's a rich source of history. It's not the same as the Bible. It's not inspired by God, but it is interesting to read. And they all talk about how people in the Old Testament would just give a tithe, but in the New Testament Christians, they were willing to share everything with their brothers and sisters. And it seems to be a common theme that people put money at a lower priority and the, the needs of others at a higher priority. I believe that the Old Testament gives us some guideline. The New Testament then magnifies and multiplies it. And in the Old Testament, there were three tithes that were required. There was a tithe to the temple or the priests of 10% once a year. There was another tithe of 10% once a year, which was to be used to have a party during the festivals, the feasts, the Jewish feasts, religious feasts during the year, where you would buy food and you would rejoice, or it was, it was part of the expenses of going to the festival or having family time together. It was a tithe to be enjoyed in worship to the Lord, have meals together, have a big party together. Isn't that an interesting one? A tithe for the temple or for the priests, a tithe for festivals or for enjoyment. And then the third tithe of 10% was only given every third year. So it was 10% every three years or three and a third percent every year. And that was for the poor. And you were supposed to give money to the poor. And you were also supposed to allow poor people to come and glean from your fields if you had fields and agriculture. So the poor are part of God's plan for us. And all the way through the Bible, it talks about having a heart for the poor, caring about the poor. And I believe we should be doing this more. And within our churches, we, sh we should be looking to see, are there those in need? We should have a heart more for people than we do for our pocket or our purse. Amen. He goes on to say, they sold their possessions, divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily 
They met daily. It wasn't just a once a week event with one accord. That word one accord is an, a really interesting word. Homo thumadon. It means rushing along together or, or in harmony with each other as we move along. They, they were going together somewhere, but they were in harmony. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They didn't need a priest to break bread for them. They didn't need to wait for a special ceremony to break bread. Whenever they had a meal together, they would have a part of that meal where they would break bread, drink wine, and remember Jesus' death together and worship him. Isn't that beautiful? In their homes, wherever they were, they involved communion in what they were doing. Um, it says they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Friend, how are you doing with the fellowship side of church? Now, fellowships can change. The way we do church can change. You can have a tiny church of five or eight people, or you can have a massive church of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. There are different ways and styles and cultures of church, but the essential elements that we see in the book of Acts should be there. Do you care for people? Are you meeting with people? Do you love God's people? Are you praising God with simplicity of heart or, or purity of heart, with joy, with gladness, breaking bread together, praying, studying, teaching together? This is what church is all about. And I would go so far as to say that if you are not meeting with Christians, if you don't love meeting with God's people, there is something wrong with the foundation of your Christianity. 1 John 5 and verse 1 is an interesting scripture. It says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also love him, loves him who is begotten of him. Now that's slightly old-fashioned English. What it says is if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you are a child of God. God is your father, you are his child. But then it says, and if you love the father, if you love him who begot, if you love God, you will love him. Him who is begotten. You will love other Christians, other children of God. It's a sign of being a believer, not just believing Jesus is the Christ, but loving other Christians. And the meetings were a big part of what they did. Throughout the book of Acts, we see them meeting together. Whenever Paul went into a city, a church was formed, a gathering. It wasn't about rituals. It wasn't about ceremonies, religion, uh, traditions. It wasn't about that. It was about people, fellowship, love, worshiping God together, joining together in a mission for God. And so I must ask you, how are you doing with this? We at Leading Lights are trying to help people all over the world to set up meetings for God. We had this idea several years ago of especially people in countries where they struggle to get input, teaching and discipleship material. We would provide on a website lots of information. We gathered together a bunch of church planters from around the world, all different ages, all different cultures. We said, give us your input, give us your teaching. And then we at our local church in Jersey just keep putting all of our material on there. And the idea is some little Christian in some country where Christianity is not 
allowed or not popular, they can go onto that website and they can say, you know what, I could gather a few people in my home and I could start a meeting and we could break bread, we could fellowship, we could study God's word, we could love one another, share our possessions and extend God's kingdom. We would love for you to be part of that. If you're already in a church, that's fine. Build in the church that you are in and and put your weight behind what they're doing. But if you're not, start something. You say, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a priest. That doesn't matter. The amazing thing of the book of Acts is everybody was a minister. Everybody was empowered. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, every single person in that room had a tongue of fire on their head and they spoke with tongues and they were empowered and they were commissioned by Jesus to do the Great Commission. Every one of us is involved. What an exciting adventure this is. So meetings is the first part of this pattern that we have. The second part is miracles. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now Earlier on, we've just read that they would meet in the temple, which is the big meeting place, and in little homes all the time. Daily, they were meeting in both types of meetings. And so it's important for us to have big and small, or at least try to have big and small in our particular circumstances. But Peter and John were going up to the big at the the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is three in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, Now, later on, it tells us this man was over 40 years old. So for 40 years, he's been lame. His muscles and his bones and his legs have never worked. They are atrophied and they are calcified and they are completely immovable. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. He was a beggar and he said, please, can I have some money? Fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, so I'm going to go through this miracle now and I'm going to try and learn how you and I can do miracles. I've already said that we need to be having meetings, but we need to be having miracles. And all of us do. It's not just for the main leaders to do miracles. In the book of Acts, it started with the apostles. They were the ones doing the miracles. But then later in Acts chapter 6 and 7 and 8, we see that it started being delegated to more people. The the seven uh, leaders, Philip and Stephen and various others. And then later on in Acts chapter 18 and 19, we see everyone is doing miracles. Even non-Christians are trying to copy the miracles and cast demons out of people because it starts being shared out more and more and more. And the good news is we're going to see from this, it's not about your position. It's not about your qualifications. It is Jesus's power and his miracle. And we are just passing it along. So seeing Peter and John, uh, He asked for arms and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Now, there's a boldness to Peter here. (laughs) He's he's knowing that God wants to heal this man. And he's not praying and he's not reticent and he's not half-hearted. He's not just hoping. He says, look at us. Something is going to happen here. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. 
He's listing his possessions and silver and gold were not in his possession at that time. He said, I have no money. He did have some things. He had friends. He had a wife. He had various other things in his life. But silver and gold were not part of the things he had. And this man was asking for silver and gold. He said, the thing you're asking for, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. Peter realized that he had the keys of the kingdom. Do you remember in Matthew 16, Jesus had said to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loosed. The keys of the kingdom. It's not the keys to the kingdom. Jesus wasn't saying, I give you the keys to get you into the kingdom. He was saying the keys of the kingdom where using the kingdom's authority, we can open things and close things in the world around us where they're not part of the kingdom of God yet. <laughs> Let me explain that to you. Up until Jesus, God's plan was always for God and his delegated authority, humans, to rule the earth righteously. But the devil had been the ruler. And in John 12, 31, Jesus says, now that ruler is being cast out. When Jesus rose again, he said, now all authority is being given to me. Ephesians 1 says that Jesus is now above every name and authority and principality and power. Philippians 2 verse 9 says he has been given the name above every other name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. So Jesus is now the king, the authority. And he had given the keys of that kingdom. He'd given that authority. It's like if I give my signature or my bank card or, or a signed check to somebody and I say, go and do something on my behalf. They, they have the keys to everything that I have and they can open and close things with it. It's exactly that picture where Peter realized, I have the keys. I have authority. It's something I have. I don't need to ask for it. I don't need to pray and ask, is this God's will? I have the authority to proclaim healing. That is an amazing statement. Absolutely amazing. And that's exactly what he said. I don't have silver. I don't have gold, but I do have the ability to proclaim healing in Jesus name. Amazing. What I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In the name, that means in the authority. I'm doing this because he told me to. I'm doing his work on his behalf. It's as if he was doing it, but he's given me the, the right to say this. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he's making it very clear who he's speaking about. It's not just a a repetition of words in the name of Jesus. Now he's saying there's a person called Jesus. He is the Christ and he's the one from Nazareth, not any other Jesus you might think about. Nazareth was a tiny little town in Israel that was not well thought of, but he says it's that Jesus. That's the person who I'm speaking on behalf of. It's as if he was speaking in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What boldness he has. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Now that is a risky thing to do. When a person hasn't walked for over 40 years, to lift them up could be extremely embarrassing. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Now Luke, who wrote this book, was a doctor. And it's a technical medical term that he's using there in the Greek. His feet and ankle bones. He's talking about the different parts and bones and joints in a in a foot and a leg. He says, immediately they received strength. It was as Peter lifted him that the strength 
happened. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, praising God. I'm not surprised. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that scene? Something so astounding. And if it was me, I must be honest with you, I would be tempted to think, whoa, look how great I am. We might even say, we might have false humility and say, oh, yes, it was God. And oh, well, God does it. But actually, there's a pride in us often when we see God working in that way, where we think, well, I must have something special. I must have a special anointing. I must have more power than somebody else. But we're going to see how Peter is so humble. All the people saw him walking and praising God. They knew that it was he who sat begging. Uh, They were filled with wonder and amazement. Now, as the lame man who was healed, held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? He says, It wasn't our power. It wasn't our godliness. It wasn't us. It wasn't us. He's saying, I don't have any special power. That's an astounding statement. Saying, I don't have an anointing. I don't have something great. It's not me. I'm just holding on to a signed checkbook. I can't take any credit for this. He says, it wasn't my power. And he says, it wasn't my godliness. He says, I'm I'm not any more godly than anyone else. It's not because I prayed this morning or fasted or have been good or have overcome sin or have given money away. It's not my godliness. It's not my position. It's not my power. And we need to get that. I need to get that. And so do you, my friend. We are just, we're like the donkey that brought Jesus into Jerusalem just before he was crucified. You know, Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and everyone's putting palm leaves down and they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That donkey was just carrying Jesus. They were rejoicing for Jesus and it was all about Jesus. And if the donkey thought, wow, look how great I am, he was sadly mistaken. Friend, if we could just understand, miracles happen not because of us. Amen. We are just passing on something God has given us. Peter then tells him it's about Jesus and he loves preaching about Jesus. And then in verse 16, he says, And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. I just love this verse so much because it's almost as if Peter is trying his hardest to explain something that is only just really crystallizing in his own mind as he's saying it. It's just such a lovely sentence. He says, his name has made this man strong, but then he clarifies through faith in his name. And then he clarifies a bit more. Yes, the faith which comes through him. So let's go through those three points. He says it's his name. He says it's faith in his name. And it says it's the faith that it comes through him. Has given this perfect soundness to this man. Has made this miracle happen. Three points. We've already seen he said it's not my power. It's not me. I'm just handing over what God has given me. It's it's him. It's not me. 
But then he tries to explain, and I, I believe he's doing this to give you and I some insight into these miracles. First of all, it's his name. I've already said that Jesus gave Peter the keys of the kingdom. It's his name. It's his authority. I'm, I'm, I'm representing someone else. And we need to get that. It's only Jesus. We can't heal anyone. We can't save anyone. We have no power in ourselves to do any of these miracles. We are using what God gave us, the keys of the kingdom, and it's his name. We've got to be clear about that. When somebody says to you, you've done a great thing, you've done a great miracle. No, no, it wasn't me. It's his name. It's his name. But then he says, through faith in his name, there is something that I have to do. And that is, I have to believe. And another description of faith is being able to see something in the invisible spiritual realm. And let me use a couple of examples to help you understand this. There are TV waves in the air all around us, especially in this modern world. There are TV waves, but they're invisible to us and we can't hear them. We can't see them because they're at a frequency that we can't understand. But when I put a TV in place and I put an aerial, now these days the aerial is is not visible but when i was growing up as a kid it was a bunny ears aerial you would plug it into the back of the tv and the aerial would pick up the invisible tv waves and the tv would convert those waves into sight and sound and we would see picture and we would hear that is what faith is the the name of jesus he has won the victory but faith is me saying i'm putting up my aerial and i'm seeing something that is invisible and inaudible that nobody else can see but i can see jesus you have won the victory you have done it when you died on the cross you disarmed the powers and the principalities colossians 2 verse 15 says you took away the devil's authority and now your name is above every name and i'm proclaiming your name it's faith in his name it's seeing the invisible it's not looking at the the person who's lame or sick it's not looking at the need or the problem it's looking at the greater reality of jesus victory his name faith in his name and then he says the faith that comes through him i can't even work up this faith myself he gives me this faith as i study his word as i worship him as i spend time with him as i imagine the glory of God and what he's doing all around me. Faith rises and he is the one who gave me this faith. I can't even take credit for the faith. His name, faith in his name, faith that comes through him. Lord Jesus, I pray that we as a church would have meetings and miracles, that we would have fellowship and faith, that the people and the power of God would be a big part of our lives. And my friend, I want to encourage you, if you believe in Jesus, start stepping out, have meetings of love and fellowship with others, but also start stepping out, start small, but start exercising your faith to see miracles happen. Pray for provision, pray for miracles, pray for answers to prayer, pray for guidance, signs, wonders, prophecies, pray for healing in every place, even on the street, like Peter did with this man, wherever you are, start stepping out. And if you fail, just get right back up again and say, I know it's God's will and I'm going to keep on doing it. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.